Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. You know, because of the time we're in, right, I definitely want to also take some time to talk about your studies surrounding the microbiome and COVID, right? It's timely. Everyone's, it's still here. I, I'm no expert, but I, I can't imagine it COVID going anywhere anytime soon, right? Um, so <clears throat> you mentioned the, forgive me, bif- bifidobacteria. bifidobacteria. Okay. Yeah. Um, Nailed it. Nailed it. Boom. Uh, I'm a doctor now. Just kidding. Uh, uh, so you mentioned the lack of bifidobacteria. What are other, uh, you know, symptoms or what, what can you say? You know, you mentioned something how like someone's poop can, you can find out a lot about someone's COVID exposure in their poop. Right. And since we've been talking about poop, let's keep the party going. Right. Can, can you, uh, you know, elaborate a little bit more about that in your studies with COVID? So at the beginning of the pandemic, I started talking, we we were supposed to have the Malibu microbiome meeting because we joined a bunch of GI doctors, all of us that were doing fecal transplant. We joined up as a meeting to get the doctors to speak about, you know, their experience with chronic UTI, psoriasis, alopecia, areata, and to basically discuss like, what are we all seeing so we can open that area of talking about fecal transplant. That's why I wrote the book, by the way, let's talk because I want people to start talking about it. I want people to not be afraid of that. This is what gives us a clue as physicians. You know, when you have a patient with Parkinson's has constipation before he develops Parkinson's, you have to start thinking, could the Parkinson's be gut related? Because the first symptom was constipation. So we have to pay attention to our poop. We have to pay attention to how do we fix our microbiome? So at the beginning of the pandemic, it was interesting because I realized the virus sits on ACE2 receptors. Where's your biggest area of ACE2 receptors? The bowels. So the first thing I did, and remember I had the meeting with the Malibu microbiome meeting where Scott Jackson, who's at the National Institute of Standard, um, was on the meeting. And I sent him an article that found COVID in the stools in China. It was one of those early, early on papers because of the ACE2 receptors. So I said, COVID is in the stool. So we decided in my lab to look for it. And my obsession, obviously, with microbes and stools and and fecal material, and I here I have a genetic sequencing lab. I told my scientists, I said, I bet you COVID is in the stools of everybody that has COVID. So he said, you're crazy. You're going to spend a lot of money for nothing. I said, well, challenge on. Let's do it. So the night before he calls me, he's like, you're you're probably going to find 20% of these patients have COVID in the stools. I go, okay. The next morning he calls me, he goes, 100% of the positive PCRs had COVID, SARS-CoV-2 in their stools. And he goes, but not only that, some of the asymptomatics had SARS-CoV-2 in their stools. So I followed these asymptomatics only to find out two months down the road, they developed COVID symptoms. So which brought the idea does COVID start in the gut, incubate in the gut, you're having this bowel movement that's stinky, you're breathing it in as you're having that bowel movement, and then it goes into your nostrils and in your lungs, and therefore, could that be the mode of transmission? So that was the first thought that was a hypothesis, right? The second hypothesis, and of course, 
that brought on the CDC and everybody to look at the septic tanks, right? Why? And of course, looking at those strains, because testing the strains of your gut is very expensive. Like we do stool sequencing, looking for COVID, every sample, you know, runs in the thousands. So because it's extremely time consuming, it's a scientist, library prep, everything. And reagents are super expensive. So what we did is we went from, okay, we found SARS-CoV-2, which is a different pipeline, which is a, a, a RNA pipeline. So you have two pipelines in genetics. You have the DNA and the RNA. So we went the RNA pipeline zooming in on COVID. So in other words, we removed all the other viruses and we said, let's just focus and zoom in on COVID, on SARS-CoV-2. So we found SARS-CoV-2, we looked at all the strains, and we discovered that five out of eight at the time were different viruses. Now we're up to like a thousands. I, I could tell you, you know, the majority, I think about 80% of people have different viruses. So because that's what viruses do, they mutate. But then we took that population, we analyzed their stools and found SARS-CoV-2 and looked at their microbiome, their, their DNA and their bacteria. And, set, and then zoned in on the bifidobacteria to see, because that was my interest. Like, it's such an important microbe. Let's look at it. And then we looked at the firmicutes and actually specifically Facilobacterium protonitsi. There's also other bugs that we found. And, and then the other obsession that happened was, my curiosity was, why in a same family, two people have COVID and two people don't have COVID? That was the first thing. Why is it that some people are surrounded by COVID and they don't catch it? And then you follow them and they don't catch it. So I looked at, I started collecting stools from those families. And what I realized that, again, it was the bifidobacteria that was popping up. People that were exposed and didn't get COVID had a higher bifidobacteria, higher facilobacterium protonitsi, which is another bug in the firmicutes category and a higher diversity than the people that had COVID, which then asks the question, well, why are those people in the same family? Why, is, why are some people having uh, low bifidobacteria and some people having high bifidobacteria? They're eating the same th foods, et cetera. Then you take the questions and you ask the questions and you find out, well, these people are taking antibiotics. So the people that were history of antibiotics, for example, history of chemotherapy, aging, overweight, all that affects your bifidobacteria. And so that was the fascination and the, and the findings of the whole bifidobacteria. That's amazing research. And, and thank you for being such an inquisitive scientist. I mean, I think it's important to, to ask these questions. I just wanted to clarify one point. It's that, you know, for the listeners out there, you cannot catch COVID-19 by fecal oral transmission, similar to you can with a lot of other bugs like E. coli. So just to clarify that. Um, it's, it's also worth discussing GI symptoms in COVID-19. So I can remember back in February, right before the first cases of SARS-CoV-2 were reported here in the United States, seeing a woman who had just traveled on business to Wuhan. And she presented into the hospital with profoundly elevated liver function testing, as well as diarrhea. And we never, ever figured out the exact cause of her symptoms. We tested her for everything under the sun. And so I think at that time, it was possible that she could have had COVID-19. So, you know, Dr. Hazan, 
how, what percentage of people with COVID-19 have GI symptoms, elevated liver testing, and does that at all predict their, their disease course? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of unknown, right? The same thing as like, you know, fecal oral, we don't even know, right? I mean, it's so hard to prove that even, right? Um, I think um, what I, what I'm seeing is a lot of diarrhea after towards the end of COVID. Some people present with diarrhea initially. Uh, You know, I think SARS-CoV-2 plants itself anywhere. We've certainly seen the cases of cholecystitis where, you know, it was COVID or appendicitis. Uh, a lot of times you hear these kids that have a high fever and you were, you think, and they, they're COVID positive and you focus just on COVID, but actually, you know, some of them have appendicitis. So I think because again, that's where the ACE2 receptors, that's where the virus accumulated and that's where the inflammation and infection occurred. So I think, um, and then it, of course, in the liver, we're seeing elevated liver function tests from not as much, you know, so it's interesting because I'm the, I'm one of those people that treats uh, because I am doing the clinical trials with the FDA and we do monitor their liver enzymes, part of the clinical trials. So we do see elevated liver function tests at the baseline. And then it's interesting when you give treatment, you start seeing the liver enzymes dropping. So you're seeing something changing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important to, to notice everything and to notice that it, GI is a huge part of COVID. And I think we're going to probably find out that COVID is a GI problem and who knows, maybe it's a GI problem, you know, as I was hypothesis, you know, as I was putting a hypothesis, maybe it's a GI problem first, maybe, I mean, we don't know, we'll find out, but I think the real, the real study in that is really doing a cross-sectional study of the population and seeing how much of that population has SARS-CoV-2 in their stools. You will be surprised. I mean, I had a kid with Tourette's syndrome, Tourette's-like syndrome, who was a fascinating case at the beginning of the pandemic. Her parents had COVID in March, 2020. The kid didn't have any upper respiratory symptoms. Three months later, full-on PANS. And, And so... We started low, she went to different neurologists and everything. I was convinced it was COVID and SARS-CoV-2 in the stools. It took me six months to analyze her stools and validate, verify, make sure that I was right on, on what I was seeing. And sure enough, it was COVID. We treated her and the kid is resolved from, from Tourette's. Now, here's the interesting thing. And this is what has been a little bit of a challenge right now is I've tried to publish this case now for uh, three months, it's been rejected by three journals. A case of Tourette syndrome that is cured. So, you know, we need to look at these cases. We need to pay attention to the gut. That's, that, is, that is a great line to end on. We need to pay attention to the gut. You know, I mean, just so many incredible examples of just why it's so important to keep your tummy happy and healthy. And yes, I said tummy. I don't care. That's what I call it. I have a three-year-old. That's how I talk now. Everyone deal with it, okay? (laughs) But we've been talking with Dr. Sabine Hazen, talking about just, as always, just all these things that connect to the gut and your microbiome and also DocMock. We might have to put bifidobacteria up on that list with OMG, 
omega-3. Omega-3. <laughs> because it sounds like bifidobacteria <laughs> is with a little hero in our tummies mm-hmm. fighting the good fight, and we don't even know. Yep. But we do have to take a quick break, so we'll be right back. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black ops shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. Hello, 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 Maximal Beans. It is I, Jackie P., your layman, and I'm here speaking with Dr. Sabine Hazen, along with my favorite co-hostess with the Moses, Doc Mock. Now, one thing you did say, Doc Mock, uh, which was interesting, the, uh, I don't remember what the official doctor uh, word was, but essentially the poop bank that we're talking about. Uh, if you donated your stool to this poop bank, we will have an increase in the greatest microbiome that people have to see. And also, everyone will surprisingly get humongous calf muscles. You can definitely track. It, the science is there. I, 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 you know, I did it right here on a napkin real quick. Uh, but uh, so, Dr. Hayden, we do have some questions for you. Um, some, you know, some I might come up with, you know, sometimes they, they come to me. Uh, so we'll start with, with the easy ones. What, I have a feeling uh, uh, what you're going to say, but what is your favorite health book and why? Uh, my favorite health book, well, probably mine that I wrote, let's talk, shh, just because it has everything in there, some little recipes, etc. But before I answer the other uh, question on health book, now that I know that Doc Mark has the Best microbiome. <laughs> you know what I'm going to be asking you? Just put it on record. Send, no, no, I want to look at it. I yeah. think you need to send me your poop so I can look at it. Because guess what? Buy, I have a biome bank. Let's store that poop. You got it. It's legendary. It's, gonna... it's probably legendary. It's probably, <laughs> you know, we'll survive COVID. It could cure COVID, for God's and sake. And calf atrophy, you know? You saw the study yeah. from Poland, right? You saw the studies from Poland, right? Where fecal transplant in two C. diff patients were cure, cured COVID with fecal transplant. So cool. Wow. So cool. I'm saying I'm putting it right now, putting it on record. Doc Mock has, you know, in school when there was that one kid that ruined the curve for everybody. <laughs> that is Doc Mock's microbiome. He just, he might just blow up the metrics <laughs> more. Like, wow. Yeah, that that is saying, I'm, putting I'm there. so excited. I could say Doc Mock's microbiome. <laughs> That is like the biggest compliment you can give a GI person, by the way. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, most GI doctors probably have good microbiome. They're playing with microbes. They're playing with right. poop all day long, so they're probably breathing in a lot of these microbes. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you never think about that. All right, so other than your own book, 
before you wrote about talking sh- before that book, if that was in a vacuum, what, what, what's another book that really, I think, you know, I, um, you know, I'm more about academic books and I'm more about the journals. So, you know, I, between reading, you know, all these journals and all the data on microbiome and everything, it's really hard to even like sit down and read a health book, uh, per se, I think I'm more about the discovery and seeing what's already been published and, and validating what's out there. So, you know, I mean, I'm a, a big supporter of all the academic journals and a big supporter of all the, uh, you know, the recent, um, you know, medical books, you know, anaerobic infections by Dr. Sidney Feingold is probably one of my best books, uh, mainly because, um, you know, it allows me to look back at the infections and how they their thought process was at the time uh, of thinking that one bacteria, one antibiotic, and how far we've come to to realize that it's not one bacteria, one antibiotic, but actually that antibiotic kills other bacteria and therefore we need to replenish what we've lost. So, you know, medicine is evolving, research is evolving. I think we're going to, there's going to be a time where we're going to start not looking at a disease like asthma as, or, or strep pneumonia, for example, as, you know, one bug, one disease, one infection, given antibiotics. I think we're going to start looking at asthma as a, you know, relative abundance of various bugs. And it's all about recreating the balance. And I think GI is going to have a huge role for that. So that's my goal, right? My goal is to kind of, show the path of the, of diff, you know, right now we've all been going this path with following infectious disease, but maybe GI is supposed to bring infectious disease to us to say, Hey, let's help pulmonary. Let's help neurology. I'm working with Dr. Uh, Sheldon Jordan. We're doing some clinical trials on fecal transplant and Alzheimer's MS Parkinson's because we believe that there's a role for the gut and a role for the fixing of the brain, right? And then the stem cells and the exosomes and all that. So I think it's a it's a combination, and that's where the different fields should come together. Um, you know, what we've seen from C. diff is C. diff is no longer an infectious disease problem. It's really a GI problem, right? And I think Dr. Mark will agree, we're the ones that are fixing C. diff, right? Yep. So because it used to be vancomycin, flagell, the fidaxomycin, and then guess what? Fecal transplant came along and that was like a 99% cure. So, you know, and the same thing with H. pylori, you know, H. pylori became a GI problem, you know, not even though it started off as a bug. So I think the whole field of infectious disease is going to have to start using GI in the future, in my opinion, because it's just not that simple of, you know, one bug, one antibiotic, and we have to pay attention to that. So that's my excitement about this is that it's, I'm seeing a new technology that is educating me on these microbes and that is allowing me to see the diversity and to understand it. You know, when I see mycoplasma in the gut, in the microbiome of a patient that had abdominal pain, and I never, you can't even culture mycoplasma because it doesn't have a cell wall. And I see it on genetic sequencing where the patient has 40% over, you know, uh, of his microbiome, his mycoplasma. I have to pay attention. Paleo, keto, vegan, and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? 
are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeing.com courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528, and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Back to the balance, and you know, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly as being a professional hospital patient uh, with my <laughs> issues. I think there's always needs to be a balance, right? When it comes to treating a patient, right? You have to treat the patient, right? And not the disease and come look at the ailment at it with all angles. So I couldn't agree with you more. Next question, Dr. Hazen. And maybe you might have a good one with the nature of work you do, but maybe not, but we'll see. Uh, what is the craziest diet that you have either been on or heard of? Okay. Well, the craziest diet is something my sisters did this weekend where they went to oh. for three days and were given just liquids. And I'm like, wow, that's a great, you know, so it's like literally you pay for a spa and all you're getting is liquids. And so to me, that's, a, that's crazy a little bit because, you know, once you replenish the foods, you know, that's not sustainable, right? To just be on liquids for three days. Uh, so that, to me, that's probably a crazy diet. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It definitely probably gives you a head start on weight loss. Um, you know, that's, but I've tried all the diets. I mean, I've tried the ketogenic. I've tried the, uh, you know, all the diets. Okay. I mean, I hope diets for like improving health or diet to try to lose weight. Either or. I mean, you know, folks, folks try, you know, diets for a myriad of reasons. So, you know, I've, I mean, we, we've collected a few good, interesting, uh, crazy diet stories on here. So, you know, I always ask because especially with what you do and in, in your circles, you probably hear folks say, Oh yeah, you know, I, you know, there is a diet that was crazy. So I had a, I, I used to be the medical director of an, uh, hospital where anorexics would check in. Right. And, um, I had a patient that was on jello and cool whip for a whole entire year. 
That was like her only diet. And what was shocking to me is that her blood work, you would think her sodium, her potassium, everything would be out of whack, was completely normal. So that was a crazy diet. So don't do that at home because that's really not recommended. And that's why she ended up in the eating disorder hospital. But that was a crazy diet. Jello or Cool Whip? Just Jello and Cool Whip for a whole entire year. You know, wow. I'd love, I'd love to hear the, the, like the reasoning, like, yes, you know, the cool whip is your dairy. So you can get your vitamin C, you know, your vitamins and your, your vitamin D there. Right. And the cool whip is, I mean, the jello is just for, you know, it's a they, we say collagen, eat the rainbow. collagen proteins. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> we say eat the rainbow. So you have just different yeah. colors of jello, man, her micronutrient profile. Ooh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, nice. poor girl. Too bad I didn't have poor a woman. genetic sequencing lab back then. But oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's sad. But you know, even these girls, by the way, have an uh, an eating that have eating disorders. Uh, fecal transplant, there might be hope for them in the future. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, listen, I I am happy. I didn't plan for this to happen, but I'm very happy that we brought up fecal transplants again because I just just. It, I just feel like it's just something that people don't know about. You know, I, I mentioned before that it was a South Park episode. I said, oh, that's a crazy idea. I don't think that's a thing, but it's been a thing. And you've been obviously been having great successes in it. Doc Mock has had great successes in it. And, you know, folks, if, if, if you've been hearing anything, take care of your tum-tum. All right. Take, ta- take so care of that avoid- infidel bacteria. Right. Yeah, so you can avoid having to have a fecal transplant. That's like yeah. far down the road. I mean, that's yeah. to me, like if you're having C. diff, if you have ALS, you want to consider that Alzheimer's, you want to consider that. But, you know, definitely take care of what you're putting in your body. Yeah. And I think one of the big uh, thing also is, you know, people need to be cautious of what they're putting in their bodies. Not to just, you know, you've seen the studies with probiotics talking about bifidobacteria. Um, so we recently published a paper where uh, we looked at bifidobacteria and, in probiotics and found that 16 out of the 17 over-the-counter probiotics didn't have bifidobacteria in them. So you got to be careful what you're taking in. That's why, you know, there are, this is why products go through FDA and all that. There's a huge marketing of probiotics out there that is possibly killing your own microbiome. How many kids have I seen that come in with zero bifidobacteria and then I find out that they were taking probiotics? And to me, it was, it's crazy because why are you taking meds if, you have, if you're healthy? Why are you taking a probiotic if your body is making bifidobacteria? That's your whole body is a compost farm. Don't mess that up. Yeah. So if you're healthy, do nothing. Continue doing what you're doing. That's my message, really. I mean, my kid doesn't have the best diet in the world but you know what her bifidobacteria is good so it's you know continue what i'm saying to her continue who am i to criticize her diet she has a better microbiome than me right be kind to your bifidobacterium for sure and and the other thing people don't realize is bifidobacteria is really sensitive to things like you know a lot of alcohol a lot of coffee a lot of drugs a lot of antibiotics a lot of beef with antibiotics a lot of stress you know you you know, when people are so stressed that they lost a spouse or a family member and then all your gut is all out of whack, you're probably killing your bifidobacteria at that point. You know, who knows? 
But I think it's all about that. It's not just a pill. It's the whole balance, right? Dr. Mark, you probably keep yourself even kill, right? Laughing, happy, because that's what, you know, keeps it going. It's all about sustainability and it's all about balance. For those of you listening out there, uh, you know, we do recommend, despite the fact that myself and Dr. Hazen are board certified licensed gastroenterologists, that you do consult with your licensed healthcare professional prior to enacting any of the things that we discussed here today. And uh, if any of you are looking to learn more about your gut microbiome, here we are at maximalbeam.com. You can uh, download our free course or our free training that we're offering. And our kombucha course has actually been selling like hotcakes recently. I think a lot of you out there are kind of wondering what to do now that it's the new year. Um, Dr. Hazen, where can people find you? Uh, Progenabiome.com. They can pick up the book on Amazon. Let's talk. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. And if you have any questions, you can email us at team at maximalbeing.com to you, Jack B. I wanted to say one last thing. If anyone works at a one of these banks and wants to talk to us about how they find and catalog and all this stuff and want to get deeper into this, I'd please reach out to us. If anyone out there listening out in the interwebs, that's it. Take it away, Doc Mock. <laughs> As always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here with Dr. Hazen, and I'm here with my best friend, Jackie P, and we are here to maximize your health. See you later. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.